Hello and welcome to another episode of the Encouraging Word Podcast. And um, I'm really excited about this one. It's going to be a very special one here. We're going to be doing an interview. And um, I'm going to be interviewing my dad. So um, it's going to be great. He's he's super excited. He did think this was going to be on video, so he wore his best clothes. But then uh, we said it's a <laughs> podcast. So... <laughs> So he was uh, a little a little uh, sad about that, but just to let everyone know, he's he's dressed his best. Um, so we're going to be um, interviewing my dad. He's um, a little bit of background. He's he's just retired. Um, he worked um, incredible job. Did a lot of work for the Lord, um, ministering to people, and we're going to hear about um, that. So um, yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And um, hopefully, again, this podcast uh, will be a strength and encouragement for your faith um, as we speak and interview different people who have made a difference um, with their lives, um, their difference with their lives with the Lord. And hopefully, it's going to be an encouragement for our faith walk as well. So, uh, without further ado, we'll, we'll have Paul open up with the first question, actually. So first, a proper introduction from somebody other than, <laughs> other than uh, the son here, just I, I can picture myself doing the same thing. So your dad's name, Stephen, is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Gary, gonna get to that. Gary Young is with us today. Um, thank you, Stephen. Uh, great way to lead us off here. And, and uh, actually, I'm most excited about this first question because it gives us opportunity to hear about your family uh, and about your background. I would love to hear about your family uh, from somebody else's perspective other than Stephen. So, um, Gary, welcome to the show. Welcome and uh, we're excited to hear uh, about uh, your passion, your background, your family, your um, your time in ministry. Um, but what we want to get a, a foundation laid with is uh, just hearing a bit about your background, upbringing, and uh, your family life. So what can you share with us uh, to help our folks get to know you? And so I've been married uh, to uh, Lily Young for uh, 34 years. We've been married together and we have three children. Uh, Stephen, uh, Samuel, and Gabrielle. Uh, my background is that I was uh, born in New York City, and then I was raised in New Jersey. And um, coming from my, my mother was a, a really a God-fearing woman, uh, loved the Lord. And so uh, that's how my faith journey actually started, is through my mother. I, I went to uh, Moody Bible Institute, and I graduated from Biola University, which is a Christian liberal arts school out in La Mirada, California. That's where I got my BA in Bible theology. And then I attended Midwestern uh, Theological Seminary in uh, Kansas City. That's what brought us to Kansas City. I attended there and I got my Masters of Divinity from uh, Midwestern in 2004 in, uh, in Kansas City. And so, um, that um, and so it's been a uh, it's been a real joy just watching God move uh, within the family and seeing what God has done uh, through our children. Yeah, and you know, you pray for your children and you're praying for God's direction within their own personal life, and you pray for their faith journey for them to come to know uh, Christ as their as their Savior. And so. Um, just coming up uh, in my home background, everything wasn't all roses, you know, how that is with uh, family and situations. And so we had our difficulties and we had our 
we had our struggles and that's one of the things that really drew me to my mother is that how she responded in the midst of the difficulties in the midst of the struggles by her faith walk just watching her faith walk uh, within my own uh, within her life uh, had an influence on my life I have uh, seven brothers and uh, sisters uh, and we're all now scattered across the country uh, and so we're dealing with different issues uh, we're not close that's that's one of the that's one of the things and I just lost my mother uh, just a couple uh, months ago I uh, uh, my mother lived to uh, she was 90 and uh, now is home with the Lord I just lost her and um, and so that's what's uh, dealing with my uh, family background All right <coughs> I also know that um, um, you church planted and pastor some churches. You want to give us a little bit of, of that background as well? Um, the churches that you planted, or the church you planted, and the church that you ministered in, is it New Jersey, right? Right. I, uh, I was a pastor in a church <coughs> in uh, Bristol, Pennsylvania. Uh, it was a Mennonite church. Uh, I was there for several years at that, at that church. And then we went to church plant uh, a Southern Baptist Church in Bloomington, Illinois, in Bloomington, Illinois. But my main concentration of work has been working in uh, rescue missions, working with homeless uh, men and uh, also working with youth um, during uh, being a counselor there and helping them to find hope within their own lives. That's one of the things a lot of times that you see in, with homelessness is the loss of hope. And so you're, you're building and encouraging uh, men and children in the, in the issue of hope, that there is hope. And then you're building them in the issue of their faith, as we talk about here, uh, uh, just looking and listening to the church here, the faith journey, your faith journey. And so you're helping them in their faith journey. And so that's been uh, the background uh, in the ministry for me is helping people with their faith journey as a pastor and then also working uh, as a counselor in uh, different rescue missions uh, across the country. I worked at Macaulay uh, in New York City and that's the oldest rescue mission in the <coughs> United States. And then I worked at Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago also. And that's the one where you hear the Unshackle broadcast, where they do the live, live uh, broadcast of, of people's lives, coming to know Christ and their faith journey. And then I worked 20 years at City Union Mission in uh, Kansas City. Wow, you have uh, you have traveled, and uh, you have it sounds like produced some incredible fruit for the kingdom, and in, in some diverse ways. And um, I I would love to off air just sit down and, and get to hear some of your stories of uh, just uh, how how these uh, relationships played out in, in planning churches and pastoring churches, and and some of the most uh, incredible people that you've met and encountered and, and seen their lives. Uh, completely transformed <clears throat> and having the privilege to play a part in that as a, a servant of the Lord is uh, 
beautiful thing. So uh, we'll, we'll dig into a little bit more uh, about that, that counseling role and working with uh, those missions in, in a minute. But uh, every time we encounter somebody who is uh, who has that, that fire and, and, and uh, lives a life of ministry, whether it's from a, a professional position or, or just uh, serving the Lord in their day-to-day in profound ways, uh, at least for myself, I, I always want to know what, what drives them and and what uh, you know, what in the in their heart and their personal faith walk is is motivating them uh, to to have the discipline and the perseverance to to accomplish what they do. And so, um, to get to the heart of that, I wonder if you can uh, speak a bit to to who uh, uh, Gary's uh, who Gary is and, and what your faith walk looks like by uh, uh, sharing with us your your favorite Bible passage. What is it in Scripture that inspires you in your relationship with God? Uh, how does the Lord speak to you through his his word and uh, maybe what passage or, or verse is especially inspiring to you mm-hmm. and so before I speak to that I want to tell you uh, a little about about my faith journey and so my faith journey started when I was in elementary school uh, by looking at uh, by looking at my mother's life I knew that uh, God is real and that Jesus died on the cross and that Jesus was real, but I did not know the fact that I was a sinner uh, in disobedience to God. I did not know that, but I had a real good knowledge of the Bible at that time period. I remember going to camp, and there was a young boy there when I was in fourth grade. I went to camp, Bonnie Bray Camp. I would never forget that camp. And there was a young boy there that was, <coughs> whose parents were getting a divorce. And so it was at that point that I opened up the Bible to Matthew chapter 19 and started sharing with the boy what the scriptures had said. That's where I had a a knowledge of the Bible at a very young age. And so there was a time also when I was at camp there that they were getting ready to fight. Two cabins, my cabin and another cabin was getting ready to fight. And so I stood as a mediator and using the Bible, talking about how we are to love one another. And so it was uh, that faith walk that started in elementary school. And so when I moved to junior high school, I started having dreams of myself being dead. And I had no answer about death. And so death haunted me. I was so scared about that. And so I would have nightmares and I would be crying and all that uh, because I had no answers about death. And I remember having a dream of just seeing myself in the midst of darkness and uh, in the midst of death. And so those things, that was something that God moved in my own life. That was a drawing factor. And so we were in East Orange, New Jersey, moved down to Willingboro, New Jersey, my family. And so in Willingboro, New Jersey, I started attending a church there. And when I was attending that church, it was a Southern Baptist church, and I started attending that church. And that's the first time I heard about the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I I knew that Jesus died, but I did not know specifically why for for that uh, for the wrongs that I've done in my own life and so it was at that point 
that I uh, made a decision at a church. You know, you go to the church and you make uh, these decisions at church. And I had, uh, I was going on my feelings. And so after I made that decision at church, I felt uh, distance from God. There was a po point that I felt something changed in my life and then I felt a distance. And so I thought something was wrong, something happened because of my feelings of what I felt. And so the church that I was attending, they went to a Billy Graham crusade in uh, Madison Square Garden in New York City. So we went up to uh, went up to the crusade in Madison Square Garden, and I automatically felt convicted by God to go forward. When uh, when um, going to the crusade in Madison Square Garden, and we were very up in the balcony, way high in the balcony in Madison Square Garden, and so when Billy Graham gave the invitation, I felt a conviction of God to come forward. And, uh, and as I was going forward, God just really moved on my life. And I began to just cry. And, and uh, God was just really convicting me and speaking to me. And that uh, just moving on my own heart and on my own life. And that's when I was a junior in high school. I was a junior in high school at that time. And so as I was coming down uh, with my brothers and sisters, we all were there at the crusade together. And so my older brothers and sisters, and so we all went down and responded together to the invitation. And so when I got down to the main floor, I couldn't even look up at Billy Graham. God had moved in my own life. And so I prayed the prayer that Billy Graham shared for us to pray. And it was at that point that I felt a difference, a change happened in my life. And I felt a freedom in my life, a change that transformed in my life. And then it was at that time that I was able to talk with a counselor. And the counselor told me not to go on my feelings, but on the basis of the Bible. And what the Bible says, God's word never changes. God's word never changes. And so it was on that point when I got on the bus to head back home that I made a commitment that I would serve Jesus with my life. I would serve Jesus with my life. And so when I went back to school in my senior year, I was the head of the Bible club there in my senior year. And then I prepared also to be a counselor for the Billy Graham Crusade. This time he was coming to Shea Stadium. And then I was a, a counselor there. When I graduated from high school, I was a counselor there uh, at, uh, at the crusade there. And I sang also in the choir there when Billy Graham came to uh, Shea Stadium. And so that was the thing that started within my own life. And then uh, the Bible verses that God has given me, and one of the key ones for me is in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 18, when it says, The Lord shall rescue me from every evil deed and will... Uh, and will keep me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Uh, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so God has been dealing with me on giving me Bible verses of comfort, dealing with the whole issue of death. That has been a thing that I've gone back and forth on with the, with the fear of, fighting with the fear of death. 
And so there's like a Bible verse that God has given me that I have memorized where it says there, where Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall not die. And then he says, do you believe this? And so that, that, just that statement has been a movement of God on my own life. Do I believe this in what that verse is saying? So those verses have made a big impact uh, on my life. And, my, uh, and I've been growing in my faith journey. I've had my ups and downs in my faith journey. Everything, everything hasn't been uh, a bed of roses. We've, uh, I've had my battles and my ups and downs. And in those ups and downs, that is what taught me a lot of things to work with the, work with the people in which I worked with, with, where God channeled me in working with homeless people being able to relate with their struggle and what happened within their own personal life. Because I was struggling when I went uh, to the Billy Graham crusade and I thought the moment that I got saved, the struggle will end, but it did not. And so I learned through that struggle principles to be able to help the people that God led me to and uh, working with young men who were struggling themselves and helping them through uh, through that struggle? Yeah, <clears throat> thanks for um, sharing. That was a lot of things <laughs> I hadn't heard before um, uh, about Billy Graham and and the impact of that. And um, and you've kind of already led into the next question, which is uh, what makes you passionate about the ministry that you did as being a counselor in the mission? I know you um, were just starting on that. Um, so if you want to give a little bit of, um, speak a little bit to that, the passion and, and, and the motivation and, and the drive, the spirit that um, um, motivated you in, in mission and uh, um, counseling men. Right. The passion that I uh, have is, is it's, uh, it's exciting to see the change that God brings about in a man's life. And so for me in the ministry, you, 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 people see on the street when you ride by and you see a person that is homeless and to see uh, the transformation that happens when, uh, when I was working at the rescue mission and you see this man getting a job. He gets a job, he gets back with his family and takes responsibility for his children and becomes the spiritual leader. He, he gets it actively involved within a church. And that's one of the things that we did is channel the man into the local church and getting men to walk alongside of him within that local church, that he builds friendships with the men within the local church. And so you're channeling them uh, because why Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so you're channeling those in which you're working with to the church, getting them involved, and then also helping them to realize that they have gifts, they have abilities, they have talents within the church. 
And so you're getting them to use their gifts and abilities and their talents within that local within that local church. And so that's been the exciting thing. I've I've seen men who have been uh, moved to worship teams within the church, um, and seeing them uh, being able pro providing for their families and and different things like that. And and one of the things also with uh, homelessness. One of the things that happens with that is that a lot of times you may have, there's uh, people who have been on the street or different things that have happened within their own life. And the moment they come into the mission, that's the first time that they actually recognize that they may have health issues. And that's a lot of times that you're dealing with that the, the being on the street or what has brought them to homelessness has affected their body. And so they are then dealing with, uh, dealing with health issues. And then one of the things also that has moved me is that I've had the joy of helping men. And I know that there's a lot of men and even youth that I have worked with that are now in the presence of the Lord. And that has really... Um, uh, really moved in my own life and has touched my own life. Uh, when I think of uh, a number of men that I have worked with that are no longer here, but but to know that they are in the presence of of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're in the presence of the Lord, and that's what you see with Paul. Paul has that when you're thinking of Paul within the uh, within the uh, Bible. Paul had a compassion for the people that he worked with in the local churches in which he worked with, that he's writing them in the church of Rome, in the church of Ephesus, in the church of Thessalonica. He's writing them. And so that's the thing that you have as a pastor, as a pastor of a church. And I, I'm sure uh, Stephen and Paul have the same thing. It's the, it's the compassion for the people that you're working with and the influence they have on your life and you, the influence you have on their life. And you grow this relationship with the people. And that's the key that you see even with Jesus. It is the people and the relationship that you grow with the people that you minister to and how they touch your lives and impact your life. And you watch them go forward within their lives. And that's and that's the thing that touches our lives by way of ministry. That's the whole key of ministry, is the people that God leads us to, to minister to. And you see that also in the life of Jesus and how he was moved in compassion to the people. Wow, that's, uh, that's powerful stuff. And, and really, you, um, you're leading well into the next question, which I think you've already covered. And in, um, in, in pretty good uh, effect, but I want to throw it out there. Maybe at the same time, uh, see if, if uh, going a little off script here, seeing if there's any, any stories in particular that jump out at you. And just uh, selfishly, you know, all your years of, of ministry and, and uh, working in these uh, relationships with individuals that you've seen uh, transformed and played a role in that. I uh, wonder if there are any that stand out, but it, it was uh, 
going to ask specifically for you to speak to that counseling relationship, the importance of counseling and the relationship that exists between uh, those two individuals, uh, just to, to, to know that um, prior to that relationship existing, somebody can, uh, their life can be in, in total disrepair. And then, uh, you know, uh, after a, a, a period of uh, uh, establishing trust and, and such um, and, and really building that relationship and just exchanging uh, ideas and, and, um, and struggles, uh, that, that person can experience a total transformation and knowing that that counseling relationship was the catalyst uh, that, that led to all of that to me is, is profound. So I wonder if you can speak uh, any more to that relationship and, and if there's any particular uh, stories or, or uh, memories you would want to recount for us. Yeah, there's a relationship with a man that I, uh, when I was at Pacific Garden Mission, I was at Pacific Garden Mission and when I was at Pacific Garden Mission, I was getting ready to get off from work. And as I was getting ready to get off from work, you know how it is, you're, 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 ready, you're ready to get out. <laughs> you're ready to get out. And so there was the, the chaplain brought a man to me. The chaplain brought a man to me right before I was about ready to leave. And so he brought the man into uh, my office. Uh, and as uh, he wanted me to sit down and to talk with this man and find out what was going on with the man's life. And so as I sat down and talked with the man, it was interesting how God was moving on the man's life, how God was moving on his own life. And so as I talked with him, he just actually broke and he started crying. And, uh, and it was then that I was able to uh, share with him about the faith journey, about, uh, about Jesus and about what Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus did for our lives and, and the issue of sin. And it was there that I watched as he prayed, a change happened within his own life immediately, right before my eyes as God moved within his own life. As the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is past and the new has come. And, it, and just watching that transformation happen within that man's life, and then that man, as he grew in Christ, became the head of the men's ministry there at Pacific Garden Mission. He became the head of the men's ministry. And now that man has gone home to be with the Lord. He had a brain tumor and, uh, and he is uh, home, in the, home in the presence of the Lord. And so I, I think of uh, that man, and I think of many, uh, uh, many uh, men uh, that I, that I have, uh, that I have worked with. There's a man now that I've worked with who has his own business. Uh, and then um, he's also the head of the uh, worship team at a church there in, uh, in Kansas City. He plays the piano uh, and has his own house and stuff like that, uh, doing well, uh, who, who I worked with. And so I think of many different uh, stories, but I think of those those stories and so when when a man comes to you when you're in counseling and see I would counsel the man for a year and so I would have the men uh, and so I would get to know the man and build a relationship with him and just as Paul said the first thing that happens is the man has to learn how to trust you that's the first thing that happens and so you're trying to build a relationship a bridge within the within the uh, man's life and so the first thing that you're deal, de dealing with is that you're also uh, 
as you're tr trying to build this bridge within the uh, within the man's life, you're finding out what led him to this situation. What happened in this situation? And so a lot of times people have a, a stereotype of homelessness. And they may think that every uh, person that is homeless is dealing with drugs and alcohol. And that is not true. There could be situations just like when we're dealing with this whole issue of COVID. There could be situations that happen with COVID uh, that lead a person to homelessness and they were, they're not dealing with drugs and they're not dealing with alcohol. They're not dealing with drugs and alcohol. And then a lot of times people also have the stereotype that homeless people are uneducated. I have dealt with homeless people that have their masters. I have dealt with pharmacists that were homeless uh, due to a divorce that happened within his own personal life. I have dealt with, uh, there was a, a man that I dealt with who was a jazz musician and in Kansas City, very well known as a jazz musician. And so you don't know uh, dealing with the issue of homelessness. And then a lot of times people think that people who are homeless don't have a faith walk. There are some people that do have a faith walk and they are struggling in the faith walk. They do know Jesus and they have a faith walk. And so that's, that's a stereotype also that, that everybody that is homeless does not know uh, Jesus as their savior. And so that when I would minister uh, in the men's center to uh, men of the street and I would do the services, I always knew that there are people within that service that do have a faith walk and they may be struggling and just need someone to walk alongside of them, a church or a man to walk alongside of them to help them in the midst of the struggle that's happening within their own within their own lives. And then a lot of homeless men can also have church backgrounds. They can come from youth groups and all that other stuff like that and go on to youth camps and have church backgrounds and are just struggling and they uh and sometimes within the church there are some issues within the church that you may be afraid to talk about and so they don't talk to people about it you can have uh, you can have this like like the issue of homosexuality you can have a person struggling with that and could be a believer and they're struggling with that and there's no one to talk to within the church openly about the struggle because they're afraid that they will be rejected within the church itself. And so they're struggling with the issue that's happening within their life. And so they may come to the mission and, um, and then you have the opportunity to talk with them and to help them through uh, through the issue or through the struggle that is uh, happening within their within their own life, within their own life. I remember one time I was at a counseling conference, and there was the the uh, the man that was leading the conference was talking about a woman who uh, who had her child come to counseling, and she needed counseling herself. And one, uh, and she came in at one point to talk with him as a counselor, and she was afraid to talk because why well, she had an abortion, and she knew what the church thought of her having an abortion, 
and when she and she was living with this overwhelming guilt because every time at Valentine's Day she celebrated the child that was aborted and the kids never knew why she had this huge Valentine uh, party and everything else like that but she was dealing with what was going on in her conscience and so when she opened up with the counselor and talked with him he told us that uh, uh, when she left he touched her chair and the chair was full with water because she was she was sweating to death to say what had happened within her own personal life seeking counsel to clear her conscience of the guilt of what had taken place and she was afraid to talk to people within the church and she finally had to come to that point because she couldn't carry the weight anymore and she shows she came to the point of talking with him of talking with him and so you may have kids or you may have people that are struggling and so you're just wanting to make sure you're open as a church to hearing the and la allowing them to hear the struggle because sometimes from the pulpit they're afraid to talk because what they hear uh, from the, uh, from the pulpit, and so it, it's been a, it's been a, a good journey working with homeless men, homeless people, um, and people in general. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and so yeah, you kind of, <laughs> and we we all do have the questions in front of us. So each time he leads perfectly into <laughs> the next question, and he partially always answers the next question. Um, and again, thank you for I mean you're sharing some wonderful stuff. Um, really wonderful stuff um, the next question we have is like what is the best way to help someone who is homeless what's the best way um, from for someone uh, since you've been working with homeless and, and working with people in general um, even though they may be homeless they're still people I mean, just someone amen um, so what, what's the best way um, to help them you know, whether it's um, yeah, best way that you've seen in your job. And, and so what Stephen said is absolutely true. You have to deal with the fact that they are the people. That is that is critical and, and crucial and not to brand them as, as I've been doing, as I've been talking, as homeless. Uh, they are people dealing with a struggle that is happening within their own life a situation that may be happening that is overwhelming and it's just walking alongside and one of the things that uh, one of the things is is to start with is giving them uh, a lot of times people need hope they are down and they really need just the encouragement of hope the encouragement of hope and you will find that with just with all with all ages you can find that it with young kids, uh, um, that young kids in elementary school and teens all the way through. Sometimes people are lacking the whole issue of hope and that, uh, and that my life is of value, that my life is of value. And that's, and that's one of the things that you want, that you're helping people to realize that. And so, uh, and a lot of times, the church plays. Uh, the church does play a very important part in that, and helping people to realize their value and their importance, their giftedness, within the within the uh, within the church itself. And that's one of the things that played an important part within my own life when I was in high school, 
And at my junior year in high school, I had a pastor that walked alongside of me. And it was the church that confirmed to me my giftedness in, uh, in high school, that I had a gift. And it was the pastor that walked alongside of me and helped me to preach my first message. And I was scared to death when I went to the pulpit. And so the people of that congregation were, uh, they, they were thankful because I only spoke for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so did you just introduce your name and say who you were and then you sat down <laughs> no. and I spoke on the love of Christ but it was in that that was the, the that how God moved in that message it was in that message that my father made a response my father came forward uh, within the message and then uh, and um, and came to know Christ and his faith journey and so it was then that the church confirmed to me as I was getting ready to go to college uh, on and walking with the pastor uh, on going to Moody Bible Institute uh, going to Moody Bible Institute and going into the ministry the church confirmed that God had gifted me to the ministry that God had gifted me to the ministry and so that that uh, and that played a very important part within my within my own life. And so it's it's giving people hope, and with by way of the church. And so that's what we do is uh, is channeling people within the church, and then the church can help by g coming alongside of men. That's one of the things that we were looking for when I was at uh, City Union Mission, uh, men's ministries coming alongside of men and helping men and then uh, and then building a relationship you know we had churches that came in they would play games with the men and and you know, uh, and playing basketball i know i'm not a basketball player as we were talking about <laughs> at the very beginning but we we would have churches come in and they would play basketball with the men and stuff like that and just building a relationship they were bringing games they have they would have game night and stuff like that and so churches can do that uh by way of working uh with rescue missions by uh, by just getting to know people in in just having a relationship with them just having a relationship not just preaching and then sometimes uh churches have a good uh some teaching you can volunteer to come in and do uh teaching classes uh with uh with the men that's one of the things that i enjoyed myself was teaching classes i would teach this class uh called the uh, on the battlefield and helping the men to realize that we're on the battlefield dealing with our body or our flesh and then dealing with the world in which we're living in and then dealing with the whole issue of the spiritual and the demonic and our mind and how do how do I control the thoughts within my mind what do I do when these thoughts come within my mind because it's a, it is a battle and so churches can also uh, there may be some things that you have gifts in in teaching and so you can go in and uh and asking to to have a opportunity to teach the men that's that are teach uh, and just even uh women uh, teaching other women having influence on other women and then having an influence on their children having influence on the on that child's life uh by doing different things just like like you may uh do the things for the holidays when you're going into uh, going in and you may have a service where you go in and you may do a special event 
for Christmas or a special event for Thanksgiving or the, the different holidays that come up. Or uh, we had a camp when I was uh, at uh, City Union Mission, we had a camp and so we had uh, churches that volunteered as camp counselors that would go in for the summer and work with the kids for a week. Uh, and so that could be something that you could do also. And so there's different things. And so one of the things that you would do is go to the volunteer department within that, uh, within that mission and see what, what, uh, what opportunities there are in volunteering, being a long or in the short-term volunteer and working, uh, and that could be an opportunity of, of ministry. Uh, for the church. Well, thank you for that. That uh, especially that last piece was something I was hoping that we would glean from our time together. Some very practical um, uh, opportunities for churches and individuals to come alongside uh, the the urban mission setting and and just be a part of uh, their ministry and impacting the lives of, of those individuals they're trying to reach. So. Uh, thank you, and I, I hope our uh, listeners out there are uh, taking notes, and, and um, as well as uh, here as a, a body of uh, Rocky River UMC, that we can uh, discern how God might continue to play a role through us in assisting our, our uh, local missions and, and uh, making a difference in, in many, many lives. Um, and I think I, I, I don't know that I want to ask you to comment more because I don't know what uh, the full story is, but I think I caught in passing just a really uh, incredible note that it was in your first uh, preaching experience, your first sermon, that your father accepted Christ. Right. So that five minutes, five minutes, um, but from, from the mouth of, of his son, I think, was probably the, the primary uh, impact there. Um, and clearly, uh, what you said uh, made a, a, a difference and impacted the life of your own father. So I can't think of um, too many more incredible moments and, and uh, chapters in, in one story than, than having a role in, in the salvation of your own uh, parent. So uh, thanks for sharing that with us as well. Um, I think we've we've covered, we've run the whole gamut. Anything else, Stephen, before we go to the... Uh, what do you call them? Uh, one more thing. Oh yeah. yeah. So I uh, so on that you want you want to realize that you never know the impact that you have on a person's life, and so I just want to encourage you uh, as Sunday school teachers, uh, um, you may be working in the library or wh wherever you're working at it within the church itself. You never know the impact that you have on a person's life. A lot of times you may think uh, the ministry that you're doing, you're not affecting a person. You're not affecting the people. But only only God knows, but you never know what, uh, what effect you are having on that person. So don't get discouraged and give up. You just keep going as you know that God has called you uh, to that ministry that you may uh, that that you may be involved in or there may be a ministry that god is laying on your heart to do and you want to uh not get discouraged about what what's happening and uh, or be frightened to say oh I, I don't think i can do that and that's one of the things about it y you may think that you cannot do it but by the holy spirit of the living god moving in and through you 
He can do it in and through you. So don't be afraid to say, I can't do it. You can do it by the lead of the Holy Spirit of the living God. And the church is here to support you in that. And you can do it. Uh, and don't, uh, don't give up on what you're doing. You may think, oh man, I've been doing this for look, all this time. Nothing's happening. You don't know what is happening and what God is doing in and through your life and the impact just your smile and just your greeting could have on that person and on their life. That's really good. That's a really good way to end it. Um, just showing just the small things we do can have really large impacts. Um, just the small things as a smile, a greeting, a verse, um, word of encouragement, all of those things um, can, can contribute to a large impact in the live, lives of other people around us. Um, and I think that even for myself, that's a small thing that I can tend to forget um, to do. It just re reminded me that, you know, even these small things can make a huge impact. This is kind of reminds me every time I go to the store with my daddy, he's, he's always the one who's talking to the cashier. <laughs> Where I'm, <laughs> I'm typically the person who tries to like, yeah, just just buy my things. But my dad always strikes up a conversation. And uh, um, but I really, really appreciate that. I need to be <laughs> need to do that more. Um, so when we um, typically these interviews, um, we typically end um, here with a little uh, rapid fire questions, uh, just a little something that's a little fun and lighthearted. So he has no idea what is coming his way. Um, so, <laughs> so we have some rapid fire questions. Um, nothing to be scared about. They're really simple. So, um, all right, here's our first question. Uh, vacation spot. Would you rather go to the mountains or to the beach? I'd rather go to the mountains. I, I cannot swim. And, <laughs> and uh, every beach is the same to me, just water. Right. Yeah, I can't swim either. All right. We also, you also mentioned New York here, which, you know, we probably have some people here who, who, are, uh, who may not like the New York teams. But your favorite New York team, Nets, Knicks, Giants, Jets, Yankees, or Mets? It's a lot of teams in New York. Well, there's a lot of teams. That's what I tell people. We I have didn't choices. Mention hockey. We have choices. We have we have uh, two teams for every sport. sport right. For every sport, so we have to make a choice. Yeah, Islanders and, uh, and have, who's the other New York? The, hockey we team? have the Islanders and the Rangers. Rangers. Yeah, I have the Islanders and the Rangers. We have right. two teams for every sport. Right. And so, um, so you need to pick yours, right? And I, I have picked uh, <laughs> one of mine is the, the New York Yankees. They may not be right. doing well, but <laughs> their history, brother, you have to go to Yankee Stadium <laughs> to look at the history of baseball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right, and then our next one is a favorite ice cream flavor. You have a favorite ice cream flavor? Well, I'll, I'll just go with strawberry. Strawberry, strawberry. good. Yeah, that's, strawberry. That's, that's a good answer. Good answer. Uh, if you had unlimited free time, what would you do? If you had all unlimited free time, what would you do? Well, what, right now what I'm doing... I, oh, yeah, I, you are I, retired. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm retired and I'm enjoying exercising. <laughs> <laughs> Which I kind of knew that you were going to say that. So it leads me to my final rapid fire question. What is your favorite exercise? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> you, you have a favorite exercise? Well, I do push-ups. Right. Okay. He does push-ups in our driveway. So well, I do drive by. That, that is my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so is it push-ups? Is that your Right. Favorite? I'll say push-ups. All right. I'll go with that. There you go. Favorite. It's not basketball, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he is not a good basketball player. If you're playing basketball and you're picking your team, choose my dad last. So... Um, <laughs> Steven, you forgot one of the rapid-fire questions. Uh, it's right there on your paper. It says, oh. what is the most embarrassing thing Steven did as a child? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Do you know any? He doesn't, he doesn't want to embarrass his son. That's true. That's of course. True. I mean, I, I was... I had to try. Right. <laughs> I, had, I did fall off the toilet. So and I hit my head and I have a scar. So oh my so god, <laughs> I won't go into that. When we were potty training, yeah. it was a whole other ball game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I set him up for that one. That's what I was looking for. Set him up for that. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So hopefully, um, um, with everything that um, my dad has shared, and it's been a, a really a wonderful interview and. Um, a lot of things I have taken away from, and I know for Paul as well, and um, a lot of things I think we can um, learn from. And thank you so much, Dad, for sharing. Um, and I and I we really pray that this can have an impact on the on the lives of those who are listening. Um, and just as my dad said, and the end, that's just the small words that we can say to other people. And also, um, just when we think of the people who are homeless, just think of them as people, and 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 the simple impact we can have. Um, with them through volunteering, through giving them hope, through praying for praying with them, and um, and all the things that he had shared. So, um, again, thank you all for listening, and hopefully this has been a strength and encouragement for your faith. Um, and we can't wait um, to speak to you again.